Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never, ever, ever played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas. And let's talk about, let's talk, well, you know, let's, okay, let's talk about sports. Amateur Hour! Welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode 48 of Amateur Hour. We are well into the new year. I hope everybody's having fun. Uh, Today, we have a lot of sports to talk about and a lot of a lot of lows. We have, you know, some people getting hurt, some teams looking bad, some teams losing in the playoffs already. Uh, th- th- there's a lot to be unhappy about. But before we get into all that, I want to give, uh, I, I guess, give a little bit of uh, positivity, throw a little bit of that into the mix, and we'll talk about the weekly highs. The weekly highs. So. My sports weekly high this week is that the Georgia Bulldogs won the college national championship. Now, I know that this is a professional sports podcast, but you got to give it to Stetson Bennett and his crew. Uh, Really, really cool story. When I saw him getting emotional, yeah, I felt a little touched uh, as they won that championship. Uh, He was a walk on. He went to a junior college, came back. He was like the third string and then worked his way up, worked his butt off to become a starter and then ultimately a national champion. So really, really cool story with him. And it's nice to see somebody who's not Alabama win. It was a wild game, Trey. <laughs> yeah, no, it was I mean, a great I, game. Yeah, you know? No, no, I know. I'm. I, it's, it's funny because, like, uh, being a Patriots fan, that's how every other fan views a game with the Patriots. And they're like, oh, anyone but the Patriots, right? especially when they were at their height. You know, going to four or five Super Bowls with Brady, right, and, right? You know what I mean? They're in it every year, and you're like, oh, and like I, I could definitely get it. You're like, oh my gosh, can we just see someone else? Like, stop, like, stop, <laughs> <Please>. right? So, <laughs> so it's the same way in the college football sphere with Alabama. They're like, please, anybody but Saban, please. Like, it feels like almost like uh, Alabama, and like that whole fan fan base has been so successful and has this kind of like. In like inflated sense of ego from just like automatically being in the big game every year that like having a story like Stetson Bennett um and a Georgia football team which wasn't like an underdog per se like everyone else no was, they were 12 like, they yeah. were what 12 and 1 yeah they're ridiculous like the talent on that team is ridiculous the defense very is good otherworldly right like historic their de- defense. well their defense won them the game yeah, ridiculous. That pick defense. six. They had a pick six at the end. Oh, and I gotta say too, just a little sidebar. I was at a restaurant when this was happening, and there was some dude who was clearly voting for Alabama. And I think I want to hazard that he had a lot of money on the line because this dude would scream in public in a restaurant. <laughs> He's like, Flamma Jamma, Alabama. And then he'd start like like pounding the table. And then when the Alabama lost, he got up, turned behind him, and fucking kicked the booth. That I was sitting in. It was insane. It was insane. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> he turned right. He's like, boom. Crazy. No, you can, de- so you can definitely tell. You can definitely tell there are a lot of people uh, putting money on Alabama um, as as people would. Right. Like you just kind of expect yeah, yeah, yeah. them to win. So like even if the line is not great. Like you'll still put money on them because you're like, eh, it's a profit's a profit kind of thing. So. Um, but hell of a story. 
Um, hell of a team, Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, glad to see, glad to see them win. Glad to see it. Glad to see it. Yeah, definitely. Just, just a really cool story. And for my personal high this week, uh, my brother came out to visit me, and we went on a nice hike yesterday. So nice. that was, it was just nice. It was relaxing. Uh, it's good to see family. I think he's enjoying his time out here. So yeah, that that's all good. Just, just really, just hanging out, showing him the city. Just just relaxing. So that's that is my personal weekly high. All right, Trey. Since we have so much bad stuff to talk about, ah, just get get just rip the band-aid off. It's time for the lows. <laughs> the lows. Yeah, Max. So let's start with the personal low. I don't know, man. This this weather, and I know we talk about weather on this podcast a lot, but <laughs> talking about food recipes and weather. It's ridiculous! It's ridiculous how cold it is. I know. I I could tell why your brother <laughs> decided to to get over there as quickly as possible, right? Um, because it it's getting into like single digits, windy, snowy, like ice, like black ice everywhere. Um, it's just making me not want to go outside and do anything. Right. So, right. Like I just because I'm like because I'm like oh I'm gonna like trip somewhere just walking out of my house or i'm gonna like you know what i mean like my my skin's gonna bleed because i'm gonna get chapped hands the whole day like it's ridiculous like i uh uh i wish i could be more active around this time right like new year you want to start off fresh and everything is uh everything is telling me not to do that so <laughs> I'm uh Stay I'm inside. in a little bit of a predicament. Yeah, it's like Suffer. it's like no the darkness, no. <laughs> um so, somebody opens yes, up the shade in your room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a vampire. Shreyas, it's one PM. Leave me alone. <laughs> the dark is my friend. You were born in the darkness, or whatever that. <laughs> I was born in the darkness. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I. Uh, that's why I left, Trey. You know, that's why, that's why I you left. took that's your, why you took your talents to the West Coast. I took my talents to the West Coast. That's why I got out. You know, because it was too. It's yeah. Like I'm sorry. Like I, I'm here, and yeah, everybody talk about everybody back east talk about how terrible the weather is. Single digits in some days. It'll feel like negative fourteen with your wind yeah, chill. The wind chill. No, I'm I'm telling you, Max, I could handle cold if it wasn't for freaking wind chill, dude. That is so much worse than the actual temperature. Like if it was like twenty degrees dry, like nothing's happening, like all you need is like a layer or two, you know, some good socks and you're good, right? But once there's like even the slightest breeze, like it could be like one leaf blowing right by you. Then you like shudder. Like you're like, oh my God, <laughs> the cold is taking over me. Like it, it becomes, it becomes that much more ridiculous. You become like, like, uh, like frozone type ice cold just because <laughs> of like a, a slight breeze. Like anytime, like, like anytime, like a car drives by you at like, 20 miles per hour you're like holy crap it is so much colder yeah it's uh <laughs> it's ridiculous in this in this already cold uh temperature that in there this also economy has to be wind. yeah <laughs> wind wind in this economy <laughs> <laughs> hey actually that that if i was doing the lows this week man inflation up seven percent over the last year it's messed ridiculous. up 
so everybody, make sure that you demand fair wages and uh, get your bosses to pay you 7% more because otherwise you're taking home 7% less. And I know mm. this is not the financial advice podcast and I am not a financial advisor and this is just me blabbering. But uh, yeah, make sure you get what's yours, you know, secure the bag Absolutely. and don't let people pull a fast one on you because prices are going up, man. Ugh. The value of the dollar is nothing <laughs> <laughs> for Germany in 1920. <laughs> Yeah, or did you Greece. know that? Like after after World War One, uh, when everything went, you know, not so good for Germany, their economy went insane. And throughout the twenties, oh, yeah. they just started printing money. And they called it the golden twenties until it got to the point where a loaf of bread was like ten thousand of their dollars. That's ridiculous. I do I do know about that, but I did not know that uh it got that ridiculously bad that might be a little bit of an exaggeration but no but like but like what you're saying is like it got so bad that like the the smallest item was so much higher in price because of the, the money machine go burn that occurred yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> everyone's everyone's ringtone was the 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 money counter uh like when you know when you put the money in the money counter and at the end it goes boop like that it's like that's everyone's uh everyone's like hearing it in their dreams literally literally yeah it was yeah yep exactly yeah it's uh oh, just crazy anyway uh shrey what about uh sports yes so i want to talk about the portland trailblazers max and specifically uh, regarding to this damian lillard injury it's troubling for the Blazers that they're in this position because we have already heard rumblings of, you know, what's going to happen to Dame? Is Dame, you know, going to want to stay in Portland? It feels like they haven't done enough to keep him in Portland. And Dame has said throughout the whole thing, like, you know, don't believe what you read. I'm here to stay. Like, as long as they want me, I'm here to stay, whatever, right? So he has obviously been upset. Right. It's not like it's probably gotten to the point where he's demanding a trade. And I don't think he's ever demanded a trade to this point, but he's definitely upset. Right. And that's why last year they went and got Norman Powell, which at the time was a good like like was good for them. Like they needed some scoring, especially if, you know, CJ's healthy, Dame is healthy, Norman Powell can either be that third option or come off the bench and be be a good bench option. But it did also feel like, okay, yeah, they need to do something, but it, I don't think that's enough. Like they, And they need to do something drastic. And well, does that mean – Yeah. Does that mean trading CJ or does that mean, you know, getting a bigger piece, something like that, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, Trey, it's always, it's always in those hypothetical talks, right? You know, people – People always talk about, oh, well, let's just make a trade. But a lot of these GMs want to hold on to their star players. And when you have that backcourt duo of CJ and Dame, Portland seems like they're trying really hard to hold on to that. So, yeah, I agree that they're trying to add pieces. And adding Norman Powell is great. But I think one of the Blazers' biggest problems has been their health, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about people who have taken time off, CJ McCollum is injured every season. Nurkic, Nurkic. was injured for a long time, and he continues to just – like tweaks and tweaks and aches and pains and stuff now, but if he's out, he's out. Uh, then you have, you know, Dame now. That's a yeah. lot. That's a lot to manage. And Norman Powell is also out pretty consistently with like injuries here and there. He's not out for too long, but 
we always talk about how the best ability is availability and the yeah. Blazers just don't have that right now, which puts them in a tough spot. Yeah. So, cause you have all the star power and especially at a time when your best player is injured, he's out for close to two months. I know Brian Windhorse had said they'll evaluate him in five weeks versus six weeks. And, but nothing's a given at this point, right? For his abdominal surgery. And it feels like this was a chronic issue for him. You know, Dame is in his 30s now. He's not getting any younger. And it's it's time to figure out for the Blazers, what do they have, right? And what what are they going to do with Dame and CJ? Because, you know, based on where they are in the standings, uh, they're not doing so hot. They're kind of up and down. They're at the bottom. They're at the bottom of the table right now, or you know, close to the bottom of the table. And it's just there's a feeling of okay, is this a start of a rebuild? Do we figure out what we have with you know Anthony Simons, who's looked otherworldly uh, in dude, this time? Dude, hot ant, fire ant, fire ant. <laughs> yeah, fire ant. <laughs> That's a good because he's because and and you can tell like you know. This isn't a rookie. This is a guy that's you know third year in the league. He's you know worked on his game. You can tell he's learned a lot from Damian Lillard just with his patience and uh, his ability to you know shoot off the dribble, shoot off screens, get get to his spots, you know, drop the floaters. Like I was watching a bunch of his highlights, and you know he's just he. It seems like he's really growing into being a point guard, which was one thing that you know was kind of a knock on him was people thought maybe he couldn't become a true point guard and, you know, be able to be a facilitator and, you know, have that kind of dominance that maybe like a Dame would. Right. And he's showing that he can score with the best of them right now. And his ability to facilitate is, is, is getting better. Like, you know, he's had eight assists, 11 assists twice um, in the stretch that Dame's been out. So is it time to look at him and say, do we build around Anthony Simons? Well, if you start looking at that, what do we think about Damian Lillard's future with the Blazers? Right. I, I don't know. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't, like, have it both. You can't look at Simons and say we want to, you know, give him more time and not also think, hmm, does that mean Dame's time is ending? <laughs> Dame time uh, is ending. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like, it, it kind of nice. goes hand in hand. And then the... The middle of all of this is CJ McCollum, who, like we talked about, Max, has been injured the past couple of years. He's coming back uh, next week. Uh, so we're recording this on Sunday. So he's coming back uh, this upcoming week uh, after the birth of his child and after coming off of the uh, the collapsed lung. And he's, uh, he's going to be playing for them for the foreseeable future, right? So now that the trade deadline is coming up and CJ McCollum is healthy, do you trade? Do the, is that what you're always oh, right? Do the Blazers me? think about you know trading him? It wasn't a it wasn't a question when CJ was was hurt and he was out right because people thought oh well this is a an indefinite amount of time that CJ is going to be out he's probably going to be out for a long time and trading him probably not a possibility but CJ comes back he's healthy he's playing at his normal all star close to all star level. Does that give them an opportunity to trade him again? I don't know. And this is something that the Blazers are going to have to look at because they've never really had a, well, who a are high they, who pick, are they? Max. Yeah, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. Well, right now, though, 
I can assume that they're going to tank. They did a lot worse to start the season than I thought that they were going to this year, which yeah. is unfortunate. If you are the Portland Trailblazers, if you're a Trailblazers fan, you know, it's not what you want to see. Uh, do they take this Dame injury and just basically like sit out the rest of the season? Give time to Ant, give time to Nasir Little, give time for the defensively minded Rocco to continue to develop his three point shot. Mm-hmm. You know, is this what they're going to do for the rest or do they try to win with CJ? Personally, like you're so far down at this point and like you're down bad. I, I might consider taking the L, right? You still have yeah. next year. Dame is still on contract, right? Right. CJ is still on contract. So it's not like you're going to be losing that dynamic duo again that you're trying to build around. And it'll allow you to get a better pick to hopefully get, pick something up in the draft. I Do you need a backup big to Nurkic? I, I would think so. Well, Nurkic has been come? looked at. Nurkic has been looked at as a trade chip too. Like, Do you get a new a, center? Yeah. Yeah, there's a feeling of, you know, Nurkic is a really good center, right? But he's had injury no, issues sure. throughout yeah. his career. Right, and right, right. It's, it's interesting because Nurkic, I, I like his game, right? He's a strong big man. He has the ability to facilitate. He gets boards. He knows how to, you know, use the paint properly. But he's, good. He's, a, he's a solid player for sure. But he's been in the league a while. His health has not really improved. Uh, significantly where he could say right. he's playing 70 games a season now it's not going to happen right so you need someone with that kind of availability and maybe in the draft and maybe through a trade i just assume considering the blazers haven't picked in you know in the lottery in a while anthony simons was a i think he was like 20 or 18 or something like he like they always pick in that mid first round right like wherever first round of the playoffs exit type of pick would be. And that comes, you know, it, it, if you hit on those picks, it's great, but you, sometimes you need to try to get into that lottery and kind of refresh yourself, get a, get a really like stud new player from the draft and, you know, rebuild that way. You know what I mean? So Having having that opportunity doesn't come by in a while, especially when you considering you still have Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum on contract. Look at what the 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 Golden State Warriors did, right? Uh, Steph Curry was out for a while, Clay Thompson out, and they tanked, went into the lottery. They got two picks. That's they got Wiseman, dude. They got Wiseman out of that. They got Wiseman out of it, and then then the next year they got um um Kuminga and Moody, right? This past year, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kuminga and Moody, and Kuminga is looking like a decent player right now, just from his rookie year. Like either whenever he gets minutes, he's producing. So it only and then when and then now you have Clay, Steph, Draymond all back healthy, you know, reasonably, and. Now you have these new guys that are able to, you know, play a role in the team, you know, in the absence of, you know, losing Durant. And, you know, now you get like players like Otto Porter because they want to play with the Stephs and they want to play with the Clays. And now you have a really formidable team in the Warriors. So having a draft pick, it's not even like tanking without a plan, right? Like your plan is, has been stalled because you lose the best player on your team. 
due to injury, right? So due to you take injury. A step back. Yeah. You take a step back. You 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 get something in the draft as well as adding, you know, the pieces that you needed before. Well, the only thing the Warriors are missing is size, and they have that with yeah. Wiseman. So they were technically addressing the issues um, that they were being faced with. So right. for Portland to do that, right, to maybe ship off Nurkic, to maybe ship off McCollum, try to keep Dame, try to build with Dame, uh, they have some good young talent, as we talked about it. Um, it's just, it, it's about the commitment. You know what I mean? It's yeah. hard to, when you are, you're a money-making, you know, franchise, and you want your fans to be happy and come to the games, it's hard to be like, oh, we're going to freaking tank this year. Right. Some people will understand for sure, but then other people will be like, dude, what? So, yeah. you know, it, it, it's tricky, but in terms of like being a GM, you got to do what you got to do. Now, Shrey, I want to ask you, so we're we're not really sure what Portland's going to do, but yeah. let's say that you have uh, your own NBA team, right? You have the Baltimore Beaters. It's brand new. You guys mm. played a year, right? You guys went 500. Mm. What steps are you taking? I'm going to ask you to be an armchair GM right now. What mm-hmm. steps are you taking to take this 500 team that you worked with? Say you don't have anybody particularly standout-ish. You have some good talent. You have a couple veterans, a couple new guys. What steps are you taking and what are you taking first to shore up your spot in get, like building a championship caliber team? Mm. So I definitely, as a if you're a 500 team, right? If I'm the GM of a 500 team, you have to take advantage of your deadlines and you have to take advantage of your salary cap. So that's the one thing is like being say, I'm, you know, like you said, the Baltimore beaters, you're not particularly stand out in location and <laughs> you're Baltimore is a small to midsize market. Let's say. Right. So it's like, <laughs> well, like say like, you know what I mean? Like say I'm a 500 team location isn't a draw, right? Like I'm not LA. I'm not, Miami I'm not any of those locations where it's like okay even if I'm a 500 team there people are people don't care right you're the might, right you're the Lakers or the Nets people are just yeah. going to go yeah someone's someone might so you're just like hoping the next guy is on the market and picks your picks your town because of your town right and then you automatically become better from there and it just gets the ball rolling right it's not like you know what I mean like a Jimmy Butler just goes to Miami and Miami who you know average team when you add jimmy butler out of nowhere boom now you're a playoff team contender whoa whoa, whoa shrey hang on take a step back here sir okay they were a great team because they had tyler hero all right that's all I, you need I, uh, you don't need ja- jimmy buckets once jack harlow makes a song about you man music to my ears what a rendition um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so having that location not be a draw, right? And you're a 500 team. Yeah. What are you doing? What's your, what are your steps? You had, yeah. So like I said, you have to take advantage of your deadlines. You have to take advantage of the money you have. What, what I mean by the deadlines is like, if I have any sort of asset, whether it be draft pick, whether it be, you know, young player. I'm maybe maybe hasn't you know realized anything right now. Like you feel like there's someone more uh, seasoned on the market that could help your team in a right now standpoint. Because the direction from your question, Max, is you want to be ready. You want to be good right away, right? It's not like there's 
uh, a process do you want to go through to get good maybe in five years, like 10 years or something like that, right? Like if you want to be good, like the next two years. Yeah, exactly. Within, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's yeah. the whole point, right? You're like 500 and you need to take it to being a championship team, right? Say, yeah. say they're going to move the whole team out of Baltimore if you don't like at least make a good playoff run, right? They're doing so, this as yeah. an experiment. They added a team in Seattle and they added one in Baltimore. Now they're trying to see like, will these teams last? Will they make it? I, Shrey, I'm gonna I'm gonna pipe in for a second. Yeah, and I'm gonna say that that the first thing that I'm gonna go after is I want a championship minded coach, right? I want mm. that leader of the pack. I want that guy at the helm, and I want him to be a guy who can not only build chemistry but get the most out of players. So a guy who's also working on player development, right? Since we know that this hypothetical scenario, like we're not in a good location and we don't necessarily have a superstar that's going to like bring other people to us. I want the coach to be the guy who's going to take my, you know, average team and start developing those role players and developing a system. And I want it to be Mm -hmm. a system, uh, you know, motion style of basketball. I want I want us playing inside out. I want him running in transition and I want a coach who's going to motivate the guys as well as like be able to lead the team. So that for me is my first step because you never know what you're going to get with players, right? You could get a player that you think is really good. Doesn't play too like he doesn't play hard. Mm -hmm. We've seen that a bunch of times with like high draft picks, people who we think are going to be great. Don't really turn out. If you have the coach there now, all of a sudden you can get the most out of your veterans. You can have them help coach guys. And then you can develop your rookies and younger players. So that's yeah. for me step one. Thoughts? Yeah. So having a having a solid coach, a coach that you know gets gain, garners the respect of their players, and you know league wide has a reputation of being a stand up a stand up coach, just being like you said, a player developer, having a system in place in mind that isn't. Mike D'Antoni, seven seconds. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, he could run that offense. You know what I mean? You have the player, you have a system, you do find the players that run that offense. You know what I mean? The players will get behind it. Right. And as long as it works. Right. So, that's a, that, that is a, that is an issue with a lot of coaches in the NBA and sports in general is that kind of try to make shift stuff. They don't have a vision before they come, come in. They're, they're like, oh, like, you know what I mean? Like the ball has to run through this person and that person. And like they don't have like a vision of how that person should actually be used more that the ball should just be in their hands. And that's right. not really a system that's just, I don't know, isolation ball. Like, well, I want to exactly. That's what I want to avoid at all costs, right? The, yeah. That's the other risk that we've seen with getting a good player, right? Mm-hmm. If you If you go all in on a good player and that's your first step, uh okay could be really good could there's a lot of downside to it i think you could have a guy that demands the ball all the time they're like i'm good because i need to have the ball right i'm good because i take my shots and i can make my shots that's not building up your team Mm -hmm. we've seen throughout history and i don't care what people say it's a team game you need all five players on the court to be playing well and doing a job and doing it to the best of their ability you don't have to be able to do everything but what you do do has to be good do do. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'd rather have a team full of like PJ Tucker, uh, you know, uh, like Jay Crowder, 
just these like spot up like you know and then like a uh like a fecundo campazo right that's mm-hmm. my that's my one two three uh you know and then just fill it up with like random role players i'd rather have that under a good coach and emotion offense than a superstar yeah well i mean if you're trying to get yourself to the top you need superstars but the the term superstar like shouldn't mean like like one with a big ego that wants the ball and wants their stats and things of that nature. This is why I like what the Bulls did is they found the opportunity to to get star players that like if you if you think about their their demeanors like DeRozan and Lonzo Ball and and Vucevic, they're very, they're mild mannered. They do their they're like do your job type of players, right? They don't yeah, you know, and they're good. Make themselves and they're elevated. Their team. Yeah, exactly. And, but then when they play together, you see how the team is elevated, right? Like you see that yep. the ability to to not only have that team style like mentality from each player, but also the skill set is star quality, like you know, much improved versus their old iteration that's when you get to that, you know, number one spot and you see it kind of get into fruition right now. And I've, I find that, you know, for a lot of 500 teams, they're always riding between the line of, well, do we, do we, is this the year to do it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, look at, look at the rest of the, look at the rest of the standings, look how the other teams are playing or, um they're like oh we have to go all in whatever whatever price we have to pay for anything we'll pay like you know what i mean like when i think of like the celtics right they were just like oh we just got to do something and then they they go and get evan fournier and it's not the it's you know what i mean but then they can be like oh they at least go we and get did evan something. fournier and then the next year they they extend josh richardson before he's even played a game you know what i mean like it, it feels almost panicky like we need something done to show our fans that hey we are not happy with being 500, but we also haven't really thought it through on what moves to make that will be more of a long-term situation rather than just because you know what I mean. Like you don't want to just make a move to for move's sake, but you also want the culture to be right. Like if something's not working, you need to you need to be able to be flexible and say, hey what is our what is our current state what is our current roster what pieces haven't fit the way we thought they did you know we've tried them out it's not working you, uh our superstars if you're the celtics <laughs> no I'm, yeah. I, I can't i can't i can't but but no you're right sure you yeah. need to you need to go back and you need to objectively look at that and i feel like you can't be afraid to make moves right I know it's hard when you're trying – and again, I talk about this – I say chemistry all the time, and I know it's hard to build chemistry if people are always moving. But at the same time, you have to look – and maybe that guy, maybe you trade role player for role player. Maybe you unload a guy with a slightly higher salary or a guy with a slightly lower salary. If he comes in and he's like, oh, this is actually where I want to play. I like playing with your coach, and I feel like I get my minutes because your your team isn't superstar dominated. That – I think that's better in the long run. You might you're gonna get more out of people than you would otherwise, and that that's why yeah. I think the value lies. You know, it, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's important, obviously, to go after the talented players, but I'd rather have a team of like 
mid to like decent to like good people versus like one superstar and then scrubs no that's fair i think but coming from the standpoint of your question where you're already a 500 team and your goal is to improve to the top you know quarter of the table like it it doesn't make it, it you want obviously you want more than kind of like a like what you're describing to me is like a bridge team like a like you're trying to fill okay, the gap okay. of a year where you know you're going to you know you you know this year isn't going to be it based on the current constitution of your of your roster so you're kind of already looking to next year and you're making moves to next year but you're also trying to stay competitive and so being that balance will all automatically kind of make you a 500 team if not worse like you know what i mean like depending on how good the players are already on your roster oh okay okay but then when okay. you're looking ahead yeah. and you're looking at i want to make this team better now you're looking at the talented players that play within the team format that are willing to be all in on your system and understand the direction of your organization i think it all is dependent on the organization's direction and if they're committed to making a move because they like you know what I mean like even if it's a risk they're committed so you're, to making a okay. move so your job yeah, is to yeah. go and find those, those those skilled players who are looking to like win a chip yeah, and you yeah, sell like, them on the fact absolutely. that you're like hey we're revamping everything we're trying to win here you could be a valuable part of this team we'll keep you for as long as you want to stay da 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 and then you go absolutely yeah absolutely you're you're looking at the long term um, because you're at a point right now where you can't focus on like the one year rentals, right? Like that doesn't help you, uh, stay as a, as a top tier team. If you're 500, you're looking right. at, you a don't guy, want the Dennis Schroeders, right? Yeah. You know, you don't like, like you don't want, um, yeah. Like the Dennis Schroeders, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so, like a guy that you'd be just paying, for one year, I was going to say Kawhi Leonard, but it ended up working out for them. And that's all they wanted was that one year chip. But like, you know what I mean? No, <laughs> no, no but, like, but actually, actually, theoretically, works. theoretically, right. No, no, that, that's actually a good point, though. Say, say Kawhi Leonard comes in like Toronto knew that he wasn't going to be there for very long. They're like, OK, we're going to get him for a season yeah, and we'll try to do our best. And that's that. Of course, they ended up winning, which is incredible. But say they got bounced by Philly, you know. They're like, okay, we tried. This was good. But you're saying you want to avoid that? Well, no, but it, it, wor- it worked for them, right? But, like, in most cases, like, I'll, how about Jimmy Butler to the Sixes, right? They picked Jimmy Butler up at the deadline. And, you know what I mean? Like, he makes their team better. But they didn't stick with that direction. And then they went and paid Tobias Harris, right? And now Jimmy Butler leaves and Philly is kind of in this middle-ish area. Like they they get hot because they have they still have the talent with Embiid and Harris. But what Jimmy Butler provided, they don't have that anymore. And you could tell that they kind of miss it. Um, Embiid has talked about it this year, where yeah, he, like he, he when Jimmy Butler was here, they kind of picked Simmons and his development over Jimmy Butler, and uh, it kind of left kind of a little rift. You could well, tell internally at the time. In in terms of Philly, imagine if they went the other way. Imagine mm-hmm. if they went with if they kept their big three as Toby and Bede and then Jimmy Buckets and they yeah. got rid of Simmons. That yeah. they would probably have a championship. 
they yeah they'd be they'd be gunning in the Eastern Conference Finals every year like that's all you want from a team uh that especially having put so much work and like so, such a long time into the process whereas they call it like just so long to get to this point and then you have the ability to keep a talent that made your team better and especially for the long term and he was willing to stay there yeah. like that's that's JJ Redick to- would have never retired he would have stayed <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know what I mean? Like, you get those players around them that want to play with that team, and that's all you want. You want talent that finds a way to, to, to play together and, and stay together, right? And that's how you get that committed excellence for a longer period of time. Okay. And okay. Simmons obviously did not want to be a part of the team at the end of the day, right? And has always had an issue with the team and how, they, how they've felt, as he, how he's felt they've treated him. And so that has caused, like, you know yeah, what I mean? Com- like, compare that me. to... <laughs> compare that I to... feel offended. <laughs> they want me to shoot the three-pointer. <laughs> and instead I flew up. <laughs> compare compare Simmons and that that team, right? Simmons, Harris, and, and Embiid to a team with Butler, Harris, and Embiid. Or, you know, even just sticking with Butler and B, that itself in a duo and being able to build around that seems way more enticing. Just from a defensive standpoint, the ability to facilitate, the ability to score, like they can do all of that and they both have dog mentalities, right? So like that's what you want from your from your stars that are hungry and they want to win a championship. And as a 500 team, it feels like, somebody that like people that uh, you know have something to to work for something to play for you need a little bit of that you mean even if they've won if they don't have that mentality going into the next year and they kind of think like yeah yeah we just won like whatever then even if you know even if they have that dog mentality it's not going to be a hundred percent you're not going to you're not going to excel and go okay. to that, you know number one spot if you really want it so Right. Okay. Okay. So give me. So give me the rundown on what you're focusing on to summarize. Oh. Okay. So I'm making sure. So I think specifically coaching, like you said, is is a is a really good point. But I'm also looking at the players and the talent at the time, like you know, going into the off season and going into the deadlines, and I'm seeing what talent is there available by other teams, and I'm taking advantage of all of my salary cap space. I'm taking advantage of uh draft picks that I already have that you know could be used for a win now type player um and I'm seeing you know in conversations with those players that are available how do they feel about signing long term do they feel like the uh the direction and the organization direction of the organization uh fits with how they want to play uh, over the you know next 3 4 years because you know you want that uh tenure of excellence that's longer than say the Raptors or um you know so a team like that that just want that just wants to win and you know see where it goes from there and not really have an idea what's going to happen with that player so if, as long as they can stay feel committed you know be able to sign an extension you mm-hmm. want that on your team uh as a 500 player because you want somebody that you know is going to stay there and try to improve the team from 500 and won't leave uh for the next couple of years so right Okay. That's where I'm okay. At. 
And there you have it. Okay, yeah, no, I agree. I think, okay, I'll give you my my quick thoughts too, is I think coaching first, mm-hmm. then I want I want the coach to develop, you know, if we have two years, right, I want the coach to like develop as much as they can. I want to see if I can consolidate the assets to, yeah, kind of look for that guy that's like, you know, willing to win within the system. But again, I don't, I personally don't want to go too superstar heavy. If we have good defenders and good role players, Sometimes that's all you need. And guys who mm-hmm. can share the ball and play with each other, I'll take that versus one or two superstars. You know, of course, everybody's like, oh, you need a big three. That would be perfect. But I think that you can get a lot out of a lot of people. And mm-hmm. that's basically what I'm focusing on. You know, we can bring in those, whether they're like, you know, younger, middle-aged or veterans, the guys that want to play and they want to win and they want to hustle. Oh, so... <laughs> and the guys that want to and hustle. Um, and that, that that's really what I'm looking for. But all of that falls under the coach and a system that enables people to bring out the best in each other. Yeah, and it's very tough, Max, to, like you said, find a big three right away. Like, it's very tough to do. Uh, it, like, the stars almost have to align, right? Like, with Miami, oh. they all aligned at the same time. Those players all wanted to play in Miami, and it worked with the bulls like it doesn't happen often where you get three guys of those caliber uh available to be traded or assigned and you know automatically get the ball rolling it takes usually a couple of years to find the pieces in the off season and things like that so like you said if it's as long as they're committed they they understand the system um and then, you know, they want to stay long term and try to figure it out and they know what direction the organization is taking like that only can mean good things because now you're now you're setting yourself up for success every year and the organization is willing to to continue improving the roster uh, from a talent perspective. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, armchair GMs of uh, our audience, please let us know what you would think. Uh, before we go though, let's talk about, uh, two things, football. We have a little bit of playoff action and for me and Trey is his home team. The Patriots <sighs> things did not go well. I got to say though. So Pat's played the bills. Pat's got <laughs> murdered they play, by the bills. They played the, did they actually play in that game? I don't know if they played in that game. No, I don't think the Patriots played at all. They saw yeah. Josh Allen. They're like, mm, yeah, <laughs> they just, they didn't show maybe up. Next like year. I thought maybe next year. It's a disappointing end to a season that had so much promise. Yeah. And it was, a you know. What are your thoughts really, on the season, Max? Like, wh- how do you feel kind of about the uh, season in the whole? Are you disappointed? Are you a little you know, bit happy yeah, to I the am. extent? I am dis- or? Um, well, okay. Let's, let's, let's focus on the good and then we'll focus on the bad. I mean. Right. The good is, is that we really, we, we have a future in Mac Jones, right? Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. I think it was good to see him develop. And I think that our system in the middle of the season was great, but boy, did we slide and fall off at the end. And that was incredibly disappointing Uh, just to watch us make mistakes that we didn't make before and suffer from really just stupid stuff and not be able to defend and not be able to score and just let teams that we know that we could have beat, you know, walk all over us. That, that was incredibly disappointing. And I also think too, this was a year where we made so many moves and to have that not pay off is like to lose in the wild card. Oof. It is what it is, but like ultimately that's still like upsetting. So I think yes. we can go somewhere with yeah. Mac, but 
Yeah, so I guess, Max, if I may give my point, the the problem isn't the quarterback anymore, right? And I feel like, yeah, he's not the most talented quarterback. Like, he doesn't have the arm strength, and, you know, he still needs to work on his accuracy and, you know, his timing in the pocket and his ability to make, make throws. But he, he's, he, may, he can make the throws, at least, right? Like, c- considering what we came from last year in that situation – he can make more throws and he in like, I feel like that'll be able to grow. Right. So the quarterback I'm less concerned about than one, the overall extent of the coaching, which I feel mm-hmm. like over the last month of the season was so horrendous. Um, I don't understand how that could have changed so fast, like fast coming off of a seven game winning streak. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of mistakes, uh, the offensive line made the special teams, which uh, I don't know if you've seen the special teams coordinator Cam Accord, uh, but he doesn't have a very uh, long resume of being a coach. And I don't know how he got his job and uh, I don't know how he can stay in his job considering the, the end of the season uh, with all the block punts and the muffed punts and penalties on on kicks and you know what I mean like getting over the gunner getting over the center on a field goal and and getting called a penalty and you know like this ridiculous amount of mistakes one thing we've learned about the Patriots organization in the past was that even if they weren't the most talented in positions they could play relatively mistake free right but now that that talent um especially not having the quarterback that we once did, you don't have that kind of margin for error to to say, okay, even if we made a mistake, we have this guy to save the, we have Brady to save the day anymore. So you need to play so much more mistake free just to have a chance against better, better competition. And it just shows with the bills and, uh, the first Bills, uh, the second Bills game, right? The the one that they they got crapped on, and then the Colts game, oh, yeah, and then the Dolphins game. A lot of mistakes made, right? Oh with, my god, the Dolphins the- game, the Dolphins game. The fact that we couldn't beat the freaking Dolphins tough. after they've been eliminated from the playoffs. Are you kidding me? Very tough. It's that a very was tough disgusting. scenario. It was deplorable. I mean, yeah. and then you go back and you look at like the first Bills game. Christ, did we win on a fluke? Did like really the weather gods have our side? You know, we we played them yesterday, and yeah. it's just like Josh Allen had all the time that he needed in the pocket. He could My do gosh. whatever he wanted, whatever he wanted. And it's just tough, too, when I, like, look. And as the game started, you know, they're they're filming Matthew Judon, and I'm like, oh, dude, he's the guy. He's going to win the about, game for talk us. Talk about a guy that literally uh, vanished at vanished. the end of the year. You look at his first 10 games, and he had, what, 13 sacks or something, 12 and a half sacks, and – I'm pretty sure he didn't have a sack to end the year. And that um that is some cause for concern going into next year is that defense, right, Max? Like you want to stop your own division's quarterbacks, let alone the best quarterbacks in the NFL. That defense that you put money into, that you brought guys back from the COVID year, there's got to be some looking in the mirror because – uh, I know Jalen Brown wouldn't like that one, but there's got to be some looking in the mirror <laughs> um, and 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 some soul searching because how they ended with that rush defense, 
their ability to cover, right? Like you can't, I don't think you can handle that level of talent that the bills did that the bills have um, with the current construction of that defense. And if people are going to vanish like Matthew Judon did to end the year, you're never going to have a shot to begin with. So I don't, I don't, <laughs> uh, no, no, <laughs> I, no, I, I agree. And it's just tough too, because like the bills were also falling off at the end of the year. Like they were not who they were to start the season. You know, they, they, they were having some offensive and defensive struggles too. And right. the fact that the Pats like couldn't review the footage and take advantage of that, and just let them do whatever they wanted. And that was the thing is like going into this game, I understood fully that I was like, you know, we're probably going to lose. The Bills are at the end of the day still a good team. They play hard, they're very physical, they have a lot of good talent, right? The only redeeming factor was like we still have Belichick if Mac Jones has a good mm. game and then our defense hypothetically, right? They like they will be able to stop them. The fact that we got blown out so bad is incredibly, incredibly disappointing to me. And like you've been saying, there's a number of factors and there's a number of things wrong. But at the end of the day, we we, we lost and that's what it was. And that's just like... Yeah. Just so, so much mean, hope was squashed by that. So I'm I'm excited that we were at least able to, to get back into the tournament and... You know, that's a little bit, there's a little bit that you should be, you know, excited for going into next year. But outweighed by that is all the holes on this team that thought that the organization thought they could plug in with kind of these outside, you know what I mean? Like that they couldn't build internally from. They had to go outside and get two wide receivers. They had to get the edge rusher. They had to get two tight ends. They had to try. You know what I mean? Like they they did so much that it didn't end up plugging in. Like, you know what I mean? It didn't show up a lot in, in comparison. And that's that's kind of frustrating is that you spend so much money and now you're going into next year and you've given long-term contracts to a lot of people. You don't have a lot of cap space left. It's it goes it comes back to what Max and it's building through the draft. The Patriots have not had a lot of luck in the past. I know this year in Rondre Stevenson was a revelation. I really like the way he played, but in the past, the one thing that's kind of stopped him from being, uh, you know what I mean, having that kind of uh, internal talent pool is their draft is their draft classes. They've had poor draft classes, so. Now you don't have a you don't have a a choice anymore. You can't pay the people uh, that may be coming on free agency. You're right. gonna have to go through to the next draft. You're gonna have to actually scout people, Bill. Don't go to Jamaica or wherever anymore. Uh, I, I saw some good talent at a, at a high school. Uh, yeah, like he, you know what I mean. He's like chilling on the beach somewhere, like he was a couple of years ago, and having his scouts go to to see people and then he doesn't take any of their comments and then he drafts whoever the heck he wants. Right. So like, and because like some friend from Rutgers, is like, Hey, you should pick my guy. And he's like, Oh wow. Yes. I love you. And I love that guy that I watched two minutes of film of. So like, we can't do that anymore. You got to pick the best guy. Now there's no, we're not having a Nikhil Harry situation. We're not having a Sony Michelle or an Isaiah Wynn situation. We're not doing that anymore. You have to find the best guy. And you then you figure it out. As long as you have the talent, you'll figure it out. Right? So 
That's your yeah. only choice. That's your only choice now. Like, there's you can't pay anyone. Like, I don't know what big name free agent that you'll be able to get on a small con, like on a small money contract. There's no way you paid Nelson Aguilar like twenty five million bucks. Like, I don't know what you're gonna do. <laughs> so, uh, rip. Yeah. So it's frustrating. Well, that, I mean, we did that. that but we did that, Shrey. Though that I mean, we did that in anticipation of like having a playoff winning season. Yes. Which like that's why that's yeah. why we went and got two tight ends. That's why yeah. we shopped around and made so many freaking moves, which, as we both know and have discussed, it's not something that the Patriots normally do. Right? Never, they never do it. They Ever. never do it. You They've know, never, it's just like yeah. all Boston sports. They're, we're afraid of trades. We're allergic to it. They're like, oh, we, we make this roster work. Yeah, it, the term it, making a splash has only been theoretical in this town. And the Patriots made it a reality, right? They actually made splash. They made splash moves. And it's exciting when they come in. But – it's not really sustainable if you don't also have the pool of talent coming in from the draft. And that's something that the Bruins have gone through where, you know, they've not drafted well in a long time. And they also don't have the ability to gain the, the big free agents or uh, the big trades and things like that. So they have to deal with what they can get on the, on the market. And, that kind of puts you in a middling position, right? So the Patriots, we know, at least can make it into the playoffs now. Now it's about working with what you have already. You're in this position, right? At least you have a quarterback that can that can improve on. Now it's about making sure that the players that you paid are actually going to play the whole season the same with the same mentality and finding players that can fill your gaps because that defense, the special teams, and your skill players it feels like every single position there every single position there could be some more improvement but there are there, there's some big holes like mac jones needs a number one receiver I, I don't know what to tell you kendrick Bourne and nelson aguilar good pieces but um he doesn't have a guy that he can count on making a catch when when <sighs> he needs it um and and getting and you know getting to the sticks when he needs it and on defense, there's not a guy that can come up with a stop when they need it. Dante Hightower, old. Devin McCourty, old. Jim Matthew Judon, I don't know where he went. Right? God Chow, I don't know where he went. Well, he got yeah, they they he got a ticket. He's like, I'm um I'm gonna go. So, I'm gonna leave my body here, but my soul has left. Yeah. And man, he got paid too, so ugh, ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Well, that's it is what it is. I guess there's always next year. <laughs> oh, a lot to a lot to look forward to. So let's, we got to see how the Patriots uh, figure it out from here. Right? They're, they're in a weird position. They got They paid all this money, and now they got to figure out how to continue to improve this team with not a lot of options left. So, it, Boston is no longer title town. We can well. accept that for the hard, sad truth that it is. <laughs> but. Regardless, there are some teams that are doing well. So if your team is doing well, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, revel in this victory because we will not be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you've been listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas. And we will see you next time. Peace. <laughs>